Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Path. <laughs> hey, everybody. Froth here. It's the Fod Eater Podcast and Blog. It's Sunday morning, so... On my Sunday morning show, I'm talking about my AD&D BX mashup campaign that I run on Saturday nights, playing through the massive... Uh, 2E era TSR box set night below. So this will be, uh, I think this will be an interesting show. Some cool stuff to talk about because uh, a couple of major things happened in the game last night. We had a player death and I went against one of my cardinal rules at one point. And, uh, but I went against that rule in a way to preserve an even more important froth rule. So hopefully this will be interesting to listen to. I, I definitely appreciate everyone that checks out my different shows. Uh, I want to always make sure I say that. I know that time is limited and precious, that there are a million other great podcasts, not just podcasts, but shows music, other things you could be doing. So, um, you know, like anybody doing anything creative, it's art, music, writing, you know, most people, you know, you do it for self-satisfaction, but you also, you know, want to share it, want people to look at it and respond to it. There's very few artists that were ever, you know, complete, you know, reclu- recluses that uh, that really didn't ever want anyone to see anything they did, you know. So, anyway, I want to make sure you you all know, whoever you are, that I appreciate you taking time to listen to it. So, uh, if you remember last time, the party had kind of gone back into these subterranean cavern tunnels that run, that they've discovered run underneath the entire Heronshire Valley area. And um, we left with a cliffhanger. They had gotten really lucky and had been, you know, wandering the tunnels for, you know, eight hours without encountering anything. So... Of course, Murphy's Law. Once they uh, they stop to camp and spend, have to spend the night, you know, in these in the the caves, um, right there in the middle of the night, while uh, Mabeldob the gnome and Mabeldob's dog Patches were the only ones up keeping guard. Of course, they uh, an encounter got triggered, and there's a bunch of um, Bugbears. 21, actually. And so the cliffhanger, you know, they knew that there were, you know, about, you know, a ton of bugbears coming at them at the end of the, the game. So, you know, it gave me all week to kind of think about that and everything. Um, and it gave, certainly gave them something to, I don't know if look forward to is the right 
uh, way to put it. But anyway, so everybody was there, but a couple people were going to be late. So we kind of delayed the game. So it didn't end up being a long session, but, uh, we did have one player miss who emailed me. It was, uh, the player that uh, plays Cyril, the assassin. And this is where I talk about breaking a, one of my rules. Uh, if I typically have a player mess, you know, I just don't play their character. Or their player is not in the game. Just play with the characters that are there. I don't think about it breaking immersion or any of that kind of stuff. To me, I I do not look for too much realism at all in my games. Uh, I mean, I'll make up something that makes sense to me on the fly. I'm very much just rule stuff in my own mind and uh, how I, you know, how it comes up and how I I feel about it at any given time sometimes, you know, um, and just what feels best to me. It doesn't break my immersion. I don't think about what they're doing or where they're at or try to come up with, you know, if they're in a city and someone doesn't make it for that session, I don't try to write some kind of fiction where that person was off you know, shopping at the bazaar or something while everyone else was doing this. I don't even get into it that deeply. They're just characters that's not there. Well, I, uh, well, I should say that there have been times where if it's something like, like the cleric misses and we get to the end of the session and the cleric, you know, I might just have like the cleric throw out a couple of heels or something. So it doesn't have anything to, they didn't really participate in it, but since the actual healing was there, I might, you know, say, okay, well, the cleric does a couple of heals or whatever. And part of it is because I always hate, well, for one thing, I'm not going to, it's not like I'm going to role play someone else's character, you know, just, I don't think anybody does that, even when they play the character when, when someone messes. But the other thing is I always... I've played with a few DMs that will actually run your character when you're not there. And I always, I don't like it, to be honest. I don't like showing back up and all of a sudden I see all my spells are gone and I got two hit points or whatever. <laughs> uh, but it's a, I don't ever complain or say anything to the DM. To me, I, I'm still of that school where what the DM says and how the DM wants to run it it's just how it is uh it's part of the price of playing at their table you know what i mean and i don't mean to say like i don't think of the dm as god or whatever if you don't like a a game you're not going to stick around for it um but <laughs> things like that certain ways D different dms want to do it i'm not going to question it, i guess is what i'm saying um but i'm not a fan of having my player get played. And I'm not really a fan as a DM of running extra players. I don't like running these extra tag along NPCs and, and all that. That's I, I, I'm much more focused on everything else that's going on. I don't have, you know, so anyway, though, last night I decided pre-session that I was going to run Cyril the Assassin. And the reason is, I had already rolled the monsters, and the party already knew it was coming. 
and I felt like I might be screwing over the party a little bit um, if they didn't have, you know, have the, themselves at full power. And this goes to why, and the you know, main reason why, and the the bigger, more important rule to me uh, that I didn't want to betray is that I'm not going to tailor make the world and encounters to the party level. I will never do that. I cannot stay. I just told, uh, I saw it come up on Twitter or something a couple weeks ago. Uh, people talking about challenge rating and stuff for 5e. And my advice was to chuck CR into the river. And that's my honest opinion. And that's just something that I'm, I'm always going to stand by. I dislike strongly games that warp the world and tailor make it to exactly fit with player level. Uh, I, I, it's not that I'm a killer DM or any of that, but take this situation. I mean, you're tunneling underground, you know, your underground tunnels, subterranean caverns or whatever. What am I just going to make everything a, you know, a few rats or a spider or something, you know, no, there's, there's a chance, you know, there's a chance you're going to encounter something that's weak, not even worth fighting, but there's a chance that you're going to maybe have a purple worm come at you. You know, I mean, I, uh, the world has got to feel dangerous. There's got to be a chance of this, a chance of all kinds of things happening. And that's why I rolled the dice for it. I didn't say, okay, this looks like a good time for some bugbears. And let's see, how many levels does my party have? How, how many of them are there? Okay, well, this many bugbears will be fine. No, I... I rolled randomly, and the bugbears came up, and I, then I rolled and got the 21 bugbears, so. But, at the same time, it's kind of like if I, if they encountered a dragon or something, and it's six players, and, you know, three of them missed, three of them had to miss, and so, three of them start, they know that they've got the dragon there, and it's just the three of them. I feel I do feel a little bad. It's basically like condemning those three players to death because three other people missed. So it usually never comes up like this, the timing when someone's gonna miss, but in this instance they were surprised and five of them were asleep. So I knew that there was a good chance, you know, a fair chance that it could go really badly at TPK and I didn't want it to be like, well, if they had had one more player with them, it wouldn't be a party wipe. I just, I guess I felt a little sorry for them or something getting soft in my old age, but I don't know. I wish I hadn't run him, but I decided to do it because I damn sure wasn't going to take away some of the bugbears because a player missed. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody, but it makes sense to me, or it did at the time. 
which is all a long way of saying I was going to run Cyril. And well, I'll get to another thing that I disliked about it and why I don't do it. But uh, anyway, the party was surprised. So it opened up with, I opened up with, you know, bugbears charging all the sleeping characters and just automatically hitting them. That woke them up, you know, just chopping at them with axes. Like mad, crazy bugbears. The mad, crazy bugbears that they are. Now, Mabeldob, he's already got a minus two AC, I think, because, you know, you live by the random roll, you die by the random roll. I roll random treasure. I do not pick out something. That I roll random spells when they, when they find them. I roll random treasure. I don't worry about something breaking my game. And I really don't say, oh, um, John only uses uh, a warhammer, you know, a, a, a mace. So I need to put a, a plus one mace in here somewhere. I don't do any of that. I like the DMG random tables. I like, it's never failed me. Um, and sometimes that means you have one of these crazy items or something powerful get into your game and I just adjust to it. And then I also think, you know, it's kind of like when, if you read back through the OD and D stuff, you know, a lot of the items are super powerful. It's part of the game. You're going to be fighting super powerful creatures. You know, the players, I don't think of it like I got to keep the players weak or I got to, I don't know. I don't know if that's making sense, but I guess it's a different philosophy than some people though, you know. I like random el <clears throat> I like random elements. But sometimes those mean you're gonna have characters get powerful. And in Mabletob's case, I had rolled plus three splint, you know, a couple levels ago. It just randomly came up and I was like, Well, it is what it is. So this little gnome has got like a minus two AC. Well, on top of that, bugbears have trouble hitting a gnome. So it was only on a crit that the bugbears could really hit Mabeldob. And one of them did crit on the first volley of uh, spears they threw at him. But other than that, it was a exercise in futility for the bugbears to try to hit Mabeldob. So... Uh, but anyway, they, they, uh, the bugbears, you know, charged at the sleeping characters, threw some spears at Mabeldob and the combat was on. Things went really well for the characters after that, at the beginning, because they gained the initiative. Um, and Fenric, the mage was able to cast a spell that has saved their butts or really helped them many times now, Stinking Cloud. That is one hell of a powerful spell in first edition. You can effectively block corridors, uh, block off passageways, and really affect a large area and a, a lot of creatures as a result, especially depending on how your encounter or the situation is laid out. 
So that was able to delay or affect, you know, five or more bugbears. Um, and he cast, he ended up casting it twice. So that helped them a lot. That's a damn powerful spell. Um, and in the meantime, I'm playing Cyril, you know, the assassin. So Cyril was sleeping right next to the lantern, and the lantern was the only light they had. They've only got a couple of human characters. But so the lighting affected things, and then, <laughs> you know, Cyril always rolls natural ones when he's actually there. And of course, when I'm playing him, it is somehow the bad luck continues because Cyril's fighting off a bugbear. I roll a natural one, and he's right on this ledge by where the the lantern is. So I have him slip and fall and land on the lantern. Boom, lights out. Except for the light on Cyril, because he catches fire. <laughs> I'm going to have to tell the player all this happened, of course. <laughs> I think he'll laugh, because this is the same kind of thing that, <laughs> that typically happens to him. So It's one of those things you just rule on the fly. Because he was literally like right next to the uh, the lantern, I just had first the lantern smash, and then you know the flaming oil, uh, the you know catch fire on him. So basically, his whole contribution to combat was trying to put himself out. And I had him since he was completely doused in the oil and everything. I just gave it a fifty fifty chance that he could put himself out each round, and I kept rolling high, so he kept burning. And, um, that gets back to another thing I hate about playing someone else's character. One reason I hate doing it is because it's not like I want to kill their characters when they're not even playing it. I mean, who wants to show up to the next session and say, you know, have the DM say, oh, by the way, I played your character and killed him while you weren't there. You know, I think that's, that's lame. So Cyril actually, by all rights, should have died when I played him, but because I'm not going to kill someone's character based on me playing it um i just had him go unconscious and so that's another a whole nother story as far as how i do death and dying but it's i don't like having to make compromises or do something like that so but i did it to myself by playing their character so anyway Cyril will live to see another day, and uh, but it, it did make for a little comedic effect with him being on fire during all this. So back to the main combat, um, you know, if you followed along with the plot of this, they, the the players know that they're. You know, they've been investigating these kidnappings that have been going on in the Heronshire area. And they know that humanoids have been working together with bandits to carry out these kidnappings and to use these tunnels underneath the Heronshire, you know, as uh, ways to travel undetected. So about, you know, a few rounds into the combat, the players start to notice that the bugbears are really focusing on Fenric the Mage. And... 
I just, you know, make it, had to make intelligence checks to kind of notice that. And so uh, the idea is that they can infer from what's happening that the bugbears are probably going to try to take the mage or, or focused on that. And so injecting stuff like that into an encounter sometimes can make it more interesting. So I was thinking maybe they will try to prevent the mage from being taken or help the mage out, but there were so many bugbears that they couldn't really effectively try to do that. Um, so the, the bugbears, you know, beat down the mage and I had the, the final blow. I just said that the mage got hit, you know, with the butt end of the ax to knock him out. Uh, he was really, you know, he was at zero, but I just had it where they, did, they weren't going to kill him. They were going to take the body. Meanwhile, as this is happening, the, the new dog Patches gets killed. Just didn't have the hit points to withstand it all. And some of the other players are getting chopped pretty good. The uh, thief almost went down too. And probably would have, but the bugbears, once they had the mage, like, you know, 10 of them took off running with the mage down the, back down the way they came, down the tunnels. So it left the, it left the rest of the, um, the group to just fight off, you know, just a couple of remaining bugbears. And even they eventually kind of fled. Um, so the, the mage didn't make it. Fenric, uh, and that's, that's a big blow to the party. Because those stinking clouds and area spells and things like that that the mage was uh, was doing had really saved them and helped them out quite a lot. Um, so it was a major loss to the party. Um, and, you know, people I see people talking about how they handle death and stuff in their games. My table's... I'm not going to say anybody's thrilled about it. It's not like, hey, another death. There we go. Um, but no one sweats it that much. I think there's kind of an excitement, too, about rolling up an, another character uh, that helps counteract a little bit of losing a character. Now, nothing's going to make it fun to have your character die, but I think uh, the player that played Fenric is excited because we went ahead and started rolling up a new character and he qualified for the illusionist uh, class. He got a 16 and a 15. So you need a 16 dex and a 15 intelligence. So we went ahead and started putting that together. This was something else I wanted to talk about. It was like starting level in your games. I don't always start people at first level. We started this campaign at second. I don't find some people think it's have a I don't know, think it's sacred to have to start at first and I'm not that way at all. Like I'll run modules that require you know, that are set up for higher level characters and I'll just roll we'll roll up higher characters. I'll use the DMG tables. Uh, you know, it'll check and see based on what level you are if you have a chance of this item and um if I had to start every game at first 
and I talked about this sort of in a podcast, uh, get to the good stuff on a Friday, but kind of peripheral to what I'm saying here. If I had to start every game at first level, I would never get to play. I mean, you'd never get to play half the modules that are out there. Because most groups don't stay together long enough or survive long enough to ever get to some of the higher level modules. So whether it's pre-gens or rolling up higher level characters, I got no problem with it. I'm not going to ever say you always have to start off, you know, first level. And in this campaign, it's supposed to run to 10th or so. And I'm not going to get into some of the threats that are in this campaign, but uh, because my players might listen, and, you know, if you're listening along, I'm not going to spoil anything for you. But the idea that I'm going to get, you know, a year and a half into this game with some of the stuff they're going to face, and then if someone dies, be like, okay, you're first level again, and you got four hit points. I'm just, it doesn't fit. I'll find a way to fit their character in it. But there has to be a certain certain kind of setback to death. So I just look at the average party level and have them come in at a level behind. So they are behind, but they can kind of catch up. So average party level now is fourth. So the illusionist is going to start at third. And I let the uh, the player pick a first and a second level spell, and then I rolled some random ones for them. So... It's interesting about the illusionist. This has kind of come up uh, chit-chatting with some of the legendary OSR anchorites over on the uh, anchorite discord. Uh, if you're listening to this, you probably listen to some of the anchorite podcasts. But um, the Dice Are Screaming is a podcast I really enjoy. They did a recent um, podcast on illusions and they do a lot of stuff that's tongue-in-cheek and kind of comedic when they talk, and that's one of the things I appreciate about it. But it kind of brought up some discussion about how people handle illusions in their game, and you know, some GMs, you know, trying to really stifle the ability of uh, the, the capability of player illusions and look for ways to, you know, to not make the illusions effective and. And, and just in general, talking about how GMs have to rule illusions on the fly, it's one of those things where it really is rulings, not rules, and GM interpretation and that kind of thing. So I think that's going to be interesting, because I can't remember the last time I had an illusionist in the game, at least not one that survived, you know, to any substantial power. But for me... Uh, it's kind of just like how I treat magic items or, or just, or how I treat random elements, you know, weak or powerful. Um, I, if you're playing an illusionist and, and the creatures are not smart or it's a creative way of doing it or whatever, I'm, I'm not gonna, I would never try to weaken a character's abilities. Uh, so I'm looking forward to how it happens. And I also like just coming up with stuff on the spot. Um, 
that's part of the fun to me. I like ruling on stuff and coming up with a way to do it that makes sense to me. That improvisational, that reactionary play is part of what I enjoy about gaming and uh, what I enjoy about running games. I don't like stuff to be the same all the time in life or in anything. Um, I think that's why I've started falling into the different kind of podcasts I do. Because while it is kind of the same format, every time I do something with a blogorama, it's all new, different information. Every time I run a game, something new is happening. It's never the same. And um, so while I do do like a regular schedule with the podcast and stuff, I can stand to do it or, or keep doing it because I'm constantly getting stimulated by something new. I guess that makes me sound like a two-year-old. I didn't think of it like that. Basically, froth is like a two-year-old. Um, think of me that way. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I guess the lesson learned from this session, because uh, that, that's how it ended. It was basically just a big combat and player death and starting to roll another character. Oh, I should say this. Theory and the Thief, he now has the boots of speed. Um, and so he took off running behind the bugbears, staying at safe distance, but to see where they were going with the, the body of the mage. He followed him several miles and could see then that the tunnel kind of turned off to the south, but also kept going straight to the east. And straight to the east is where the Great Rock Dale, this rift, this uh, kind of cliff, you know, sharp cliffed kind of rut in the ground that's uh, supposedly filled with demi-humans and little caves and stuff. Well, so uh, he could see that they, the bugbears went out towards the Great Rock Dale, so he could tell that there's a passage that leads out to that, uh, that rift and uh, that kind of canyon, as well as continuing south. So uh, he came running back. I'm picturing him running like, uh, I don't guess it was Baron Moonshausen where it had Eric Idle's character that could run really fast. I don't know if y'all remember that. That's kind of what I'm picturing him like now with the boots of speed, but he came running back uh, to let them know that. So they kind of were licking their wounds, healing up a uh, poor assassin that I ran and getting ready but for next session. So now i got to figure out how I want to bring the illusionist in. I've already got some ideas, but that'll be my idea for next session uh, going into it. But anyway, what I was going to say about uh, lessons learned, you know, stick to your guns, I guess I should say. Uh, I should have known better than to run someone's character, but I felt sorry for them. Next time, it's just going to be, it, it, it'll just be what it is. Um I you know what I sh I would rather postpone a game. I gave that dragon example. If it was a dragon and half the players going to miss, I'd be better off. I'd rather postpone the game and just not play it all that week than try to play someone else's character because then if they're going to die, you feel bad for killing them. If they end up having a role play, you don't want to role play their character. And then the player, no player really enjoys coming back to the game after they miss and having their player half dead and all 
you know, jacked up anyway. So it's just a lose, lose, lose proposition for me. Might be different for you. It's great. Everybody's different. But I'm, I won't go against that rule again. I, like I say, I'm getting tenderhearted in my old age, and it is what it is. Other lessons learned. Hmm. It's damn hard for bugbears to hit gnomes, especially when they got plus three splint armor. <laughs> but you already knew that, right? All right, I think uh, at this point, uh, that's pretty pro pretty much what I want to talk about. Anyway, like I said at the beginning, I appreciate everybody checking out my podcasts. Uh, I really enjoy doing them, so uh, keep the feedback coming. If you've got anything to say, you can uh, send me a message on Anchor. You can email me, frothsoft, that's frothsof at gmail.com. Anybody wondering what frothsoft is? Maybe I'll do a podcast on it, but the SOF stands for side of fries, so... <laughs> It's just this weird thing from when I was younger and I've used it on the internet for, you know, since I was on the internet. So it's just something I'm kind of stuck with. But so froth SOF at gmail.com. You can email me there. Frothsoft on Twitter. And oh yeah, the blog. Frothsoftdnd.blogspot.com. And uh, next thing you'll hear from me will be Hump Day Blogorama. So I'll see you then.